Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Generic Falling Podcast. It's another episode. We are joined by our first female guest, a future Olympian. (laughs) Ellie, you're going to the Olympics! Yeah. How are you feeling about it? Uh, Well, first of all, you you are definitely going, aren't you? Yeah. Well, as long as I don't uh, break myself. (laughs) Don't don't do that. Yeah, congratulations. When was that confirmed? Thanks. Um... October? Yeah. What are we in now? January. January? Yeah. Just. Yeah, no, it's cool. It was weird. Like, yeah, you spend so long trying to work for something and then suddenly it's like happening and you're like, whoa, wait, what? What what am I doing? What is going on? Um, When when are the games? When are the games? Uh, July next year. No, no, this year. This year. This year. year. Cool. Six months away. So was your confirmed entry, I have I have a loose interest in, well, I have an interest in Olympic kiteball <laughs> racing, but a loose knowledge of it is what I meant to say, um, only because of, you know, what I hear from the Bridge family and all the rest of it. Um, was your confirmed entry based on a podium result at a qualifier then? So it was like, once you'd got that, ent- once you'd got that position, you knew from that point? Um, it was... Basically, all of last year we had like trial events. So, like within the team, there's certain events you have to do, or like for certain events you have to do and do well in to get selected. And then they pick the best person in those events. Um, so it was based on a few events, but yeah. Right. Okay. And is it one per country, including France as the host nation? Yeah, so the difference in sailing as a sport compared to all the other Olympic sports is that you get one space per country. It's not like you have to reach a qualifying time or something. Like you just, it's one spot. And French, the French team get a spot anyway, so they don't have to qualify. But all the other countries have to qualify their country first. And then once you've qualified your country, you then have to fight it out to get picked or it's quite a lot of kiting there's only one person anyway so it's kind of chill but for us that's ironic that the french are guaranteed an entry given that that's one of the most competitive nations right yeah yeah it's mad but yeah i think um that's part of the deal as host nation you get your or automatically qualified but yeah they still they yeah they still have someone that has to compete for that qualification spot i guess Mm mm-hmm God, I bet that was hotly contested. Of all the um, all the UK females given up now, then you got no training partners. They're all like nah. bollocks. I'm not in. Screw that. <laughs> no, I'm really lucky. Like I think, I think because we all started at the same time and we've kind of been through the whole journey together. Everyone, yeah, it's really nice. Everyone feels invested and they kind of want to help me. So, um, they've all stuck around. Are they also there as backup in the worst case scenario of injury? Yeah, so I think in Does it work like that? You yeah, in a few sports that are I guess higher risk of injury, you can have like a backup and then there's a certain date where you have to pick the person or like confirm their person. So I think maybe it's like a month before or something that you have to confirm if you're definitely in or not. 
I'm quite excited. Sorry, Freddie, you wanted to back it up to the <laughs> no, beginning. Yeah, I, I want to start. So, yeah, I, mean, I want to see where, where it all started from uh, and how the process has gone. Because obviously the last few years we've known for ages that oh, kiting is going to be in the Olympics eventually. It feels like everyone's been saying, yeah, it's going to be in the Olympics. And it never did. And then it, something mm. changed, something switched. And then now it is. Uh, where did it start for you with kiting? I mean, I guess we want to hear all of it. What, like, what were you doing prior to kiting? When did you get into the kiting? Um, are you going to continue kiting if it changes? You know, wh- what's going to happen? Wh- where did it start and where's it going? Go! Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I remember when it was first talked about that it was going to become Olympic back in like 2012 or something. I was still at school. And I remember one of my best friends at school was did freestyle kiting and I was sailing. I grew up sailing, so I've always been by the sea, but I didn't kite or anything. And she was the kite. She did freestyle and she did loads of kiting. And she was like, oh, my God, it's going Olympic. We can both. We'd always like joke that we could both go to the Olympics together. Um, and then that was kind of, yeah, spoken about for a bit. And then it kind of didn't happen. And then I continued sailing. So I finished school and then was lucky enough I guess to be able to jump into a 49er FX which is a double trapeze um boat um one of the Olympic classes and I did that for a few years um and kind of while I was doing that I was living mainly in Portland which is where I live now and a few of my friends kite surfed and I kind of got to know more people down here that did it and kind of taught me how to do it which was really fun I just did it for fun um, and then did a little bit more just whilst I wasn't sailing and things. And then in 2018, I guess end of summer 2018, there was noise about kite surfing being Olympic again. And I hadn't really thought much about it back then because obviously I was doing a, an Olympic campaign in the 49er FX and I was quite happy doing that. Um, but there was just something about the kite foiling that was quite different. Obviously, I could kite a bit, just not very good, just a classic like back and forth. Um, but there was just something about it that I was like, wow, that is that is cool. Like I would I'd love to at least give it a go. Um, and then, yeah, I heard about this Kite for Gold program that the RWA set up, which is the UK sailing governing body kind of thing and it was how old you um, been at that point ellie i was 20 what 21 right maybe are all yeah. you girls around the same age um yeah we're all three years maybe about around three years within the same like three years ish i think nice so how many of you yeah how many of you signed up for the kite for golden I think there was um, so quite a few of you initially, th- wasn't there? Yeah, there was like, um, I think more than they expected. So yeah, you just had to sign up like online form thing, um, like a talent search thing. And there was girls from like loads of different backgrounds, some sailing, some kite surfing, some like snowboarding and surfing and stuff, like a big variety. I think there was over a hundred people entered and then they kind of picked out of your like CV kind of thing um who they thought could be good and then I think there was 20 of us for like the the autumn I guess um of 2018 
where I was kind of, so I, I applied thinking that I could maybe do it alongside my sailing and just do a bits of both. And then it was quite early on in the process when I got, I guess, picked for this 20 group of 20 and they, some guy called me up and said, oh, you've got to decide which one you want to do. We're not going to like support you for both of them or you can't, you can't do both of them. So they made me pick quite early on, uh, which was a bit of a shock. I didn't expect to have to like pick which one I wanted to do considering I don't even, like there was a chance that I wouldn't even make it very far. Um, so that was a bit of a weird turn. How did you choose? Um, I, I talked to quite a lot of people about it. I talked to a lot of people that were in kite surfing in say like, Oh, just a lot of friends I knew and the guys in the program that were running it as well. Um, and it took me, yeah, about a week to like figure everything out. Cause I don't know. I just didn't expect it. I didn't have, I didn't expect to have to just choose suddenly like which way essentially my life's going to go. Um, but I don't know. There was just something, there was something about it that I was like, I, if I don't try this, I'm going to regret it. Or like at least what, try it. What were you giving up in terms of with the 49ers? Like what sort of level were you at on that program? in terms of current standings competitively yeah. and you know what um, likelihood was was it that you'd take the same level of success what were you giving up yeah so I was sailing with a girl called Meg and we'd been sailing together for two years so we were still in the sailing world it takes quite a while to like build yourself up because you're learning to sail quite a tricky boat and the, the standard's really high so it you can't expect to be good straight away so we were kind of still on our trajectory upwards um with a yeah at the time we were what top 25 in the world which was yeah nothing super remarkable but still on I mean way it's, pretty <laughs> it's, remarkable, it's pretty good really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it, for a for a competitive class it was like I don't know we were still we were still getting there and we we're still learning and we we're still figuring everything out and I think I don't know the the 49er FX was when I grew up sailing, that was always a thing I wanted to do. And I was like, oh yeah, that's the boat for me. Like I'm going to, you know, when you feel like you've kind of been looking at something your whole childhood and then you're doing it and you're living it. And then I'm going to have to, I got to Google of, it. Cause I, I don't even know. I don't fucking know boats. What was, what <laughs> is it about the 49er FX that, that, that stands out to you? Like what, what is it? Yeah. So I, I loved it. I mean, it was at the time, one of the fastest Olympic sailing classes. Um, it's a double hander so you've got a helm and a crew I was crewing um, it's quite it's quite a physical boat so you're on a trapeze you're a trapeze harness and you kind of run across the boat and they've got big sails that you've got to pull around and things like that and I just loved the agility and the speed of it I guess and I also liked working together with someone I like being in a team and yeah it was like ever since I first jumped in it I was like this is sick I love it and I love I don't know. I just loved running around it. And um, did you have a relationship with Stevie from those days? Then, with his history in that class? No, not really. I didn't really know him. Obviously, I knew of him, but um, so that for, was for before... listeners' sake, yeah, for listeners' sake, Stevie Morrison is Exmouth local. Now, your coach? <laughs> yeah, he's now my coach. Um, and 
bit of a legend. Shout out to him. I know he likes the pod. Um, he's now winging a lot. Pretty addicted to winging. Pretty addicted to Armstrong. But ex-Olympian, also in the 49ers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so What's the, the difference between a 49er and a 49er FX? Yeah, so they're the same. The hull is the same. So the boat bit, but the sails are different. So the guys have a 49er rig, which is slightly bigger. And the girls have an FX rig, which is like just slightly smaller sails because you're smaller people. Um, so they're like, they're basically the same, same boat. Have you sailed at all, Liam? Bit, mate. I was pretty competitive when we used to do the round the island races on NECA with the Hobies. How drunk, um, how drunk it, were you? I was you? always, I was, well, sometimes very, but I was always <laughs> sort of, I was always competing for the top three, usually top two. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So quite a lot, actually, yeah. I've got literally just Mark Warner experience under my belt. That's about it. <laughs> That's literally about it. And it's not hard, is it? Just push, pull, left, right, jobs are good. And my easy. party piece used to be sailing it on on one hull, get the cat up on the one hull, hit the beach, and then hold it on one hull on the beach, trimming the sails. Wow. That was always the party piece, and the guests used to like that. You just sit there on the beach. Just to, yeah, you got yeah. to work for the tips you see on Nick, really. <laughs> Anyway, um, anyway, yeah. See, so the the to answer the question that I asked, you were giving up quite a lot, given that at that um, point, we, like, were you even proficient kite foiling at this point? Like, how were you getting around the course? Were you even oh, consistently no, 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 jibing no, and attacking? No, I heard I, you guys were pretty shit to begin with. <laughs> I would so I I borrowed one of my friends had a foil, and I'd borrowed his foil I'd go out on a 12 meter tube kite that like deflated in maybe half an hour I'd go out to the middle of Portland Harbour it was that summer was like there was basically no wind I was like 12 knots maybe I'd go out to the middle of the harbour I'd try and turn around kite would go in the water I'd swim until someone picked me up and took me home I can't believe that you would that is a hard decision to make as yeah. an existing athlete on a program and be like, wow, yeah, I mean, I'm going to do this thing that I can't even do yet. Yeah, uh, no, it was crazy. Like the whole decision just felt stupid. I was like, so how? not yeah. obviously not to belittle what you're doing because look, you're now the one that's qualified. But was there was there anyone else that was already? half decent at kite foiling that was entering this program or were, or was this like separate too? Uh, I Does that make sense? Was there any UK so. talent at that time? No, 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 because that was kind of the reason why they did it. Because the only person that that I am aware of that kite foiled was Steph Bridge. <laughs> right. And I mean, there was nothing saying that she couldn't just go and keep at it I and smash it. I would have fucking loved think... to watch Steph. Oh, yeah. imagine. <laughs> Fuck, it would have been good. You know, I the first event um the first event I did was the worlds in Garda in spring 2019 so we'd like just just about could get around the course on a good day and I remember I I don't know how I managed to round the top mark just behind Steph in one of the races and I remember her turning around and seeing me and just being like woo <laughs> yeah and I was like oh cool <laughs> that's sick She's definitely yeah, she good at great. that. She is definitely good at that. I just yeah. think, how cool would it have been to have had Steph and Guy at an Olympics? That would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Shit. Well, yeah. Fast forward a few more years. Well, they'll be there. They'll be. They'll be cheering Elliot. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Right. So, so talk to us about that. So this must have been a mental program to be like, okay, this sport's now in the Olympics. We have, you know, the UK's always had a lot of phenomenal sailing talent. So just how did that go? How did, what was the strategy of the RYA to be like, right, we basically need to first teach them how to kite and then get them racing around the course. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Like I think they looked at some of the like winter sport programs because there was a few like talent ID searches for like the skeleton and things like that because there was not many winter sports. I think they used a similar kind of program to switch over to sailing. It was like the first one that they'd ever done. And I don't know I I don't know if they completely I don't I don't really know what their their idea was, but um, but yeah, it was kind of cool. It was it was really cool because you look now and not that many other countries did anything like this. And actually, I think it's really paid in our favour because we could get a bit ahead a little bit earlier. Did they only so do I, it with the girls as opposed to the guys? Yeah, so they it was just for girls. And then because they assumed that there was quite a few guys that foiled already and raced on the circuit. Tut, yeah, tut, I know. Tut. Um, but then since then they've, they opened up a boys kite for gold as well. I think a couple of years ago to get Steezy more guys Pete. in. Steezy Pete was on yeah. that. That was quite funny yep. to, uh, to see his progress going from not foiling to foiling on big To rescue. not foiling. <laughs> <laughs> he won't mind me saying. So you started with, you started as 20 of you. How quickly were you being whittled down? Mm, it was for, for most of the autumn, it wasn't. There were like weekend things because a lot of people obviously didn't want to commit straight away to something that they didn't know if they were going to get selected to. So it was more like weekend of training events and things. Um, and then I think it was whittled down. Maybe it was a month. Yeah, maybe a month later or a couple of months later, maybe in maybe November. It got whittled down to maybe 10 of us. Any tears? Kind of so any, fist, any fisticuffs? You any, tant- any tantrums? Any tears? Any fisticuffs? Not really. I mean, I didn't. I didn't really know anyone. Still, like it was very. It was very like. You kind of do it on your own a bit. I guess you saw people at the weekends and stuff, and I kind of got to know people. But um, there, were, it was split into half. So the people that could kite surf already, and the people that couldn't kite surf already. The people that could kite surf already, I kind of knew most of them but the people that couldn't kite already I didn't actually know very many people and I didn't really see them because they were doing a completely different program to us um so yeah I don't really I'm sure there was but I didn't I guess I didn't see it because I didn't really know know anyone that well and I guess in the early days yeah so what, what when you say a program at this point you know that there's not they're not throwing money at anybody and it's not like that is it this is just you're on a thing let's see how you go so when did it get serious when (laughs) was it when did they when did the first paycheck start we want to know (laughs) when 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 is it like okay right you know you're you're gonna start sacrificing other bits of your life now this is what you're doing whether you like it or not yeah well I guess my story is a bit different to the others because I was already in the sailing team and I was on a bit of funding from sailing they basically said to me, when they said you got to make a decision, I basically had like a year to stay on that funding. Ah, so I've got until good. the summer. So I, I was, I mean, if I didn't, if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it because it's a huge sacrifice to 
buy all the kit and to spend the whole like all the time training and stuff to actually get good but I guess that was my like little buffer is that I I had a bit of time to to try it and try and get good and I had a bit of support behind me to be able to buy some kit um I think they I think after this the autumn they gave everyone like grants so they'll give them they give everyone like a chunk of money towards this trip or towards this or whatever it whatever it is to help you like or like incentivize you to go to the events and do things um I mean just put this into perspective for our listeners Ellie because there aren't that there's you know I think kiting is probably a minority for the audience for this one everyone mm -hmm. thinks that foiling is expensive but outline to us what your basically what your annual gear cost is now uh now again I've been quite lucky even back there, you know, to get a full quiver of kites, what would it cost me if yeah. I was like, I want to get into kite foiling? I need what, five foil kites? Um, so when I first started, I bought three foil kites. No, I bought two to begin with. But I mean, if you want to fully get into it, you need four foil kites, a foil and a board. And um, foil kites are three grand each? Yeah, if you buy them new, they're about three grand each now. Race foils, couple of grand. Four. Four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not quite my aluminium mast, is it? Yeah, it's quite. Um, and what's what's yeah, one of Connor's boards cost nowadays? Uh, like a grand. Okay. And are you? Yeah. So the the rumor was that you you weren't just because your your current fleet you'll have four kites and then you'll have a backup fleet of kites as well. Yeah, so yeah, you have to have a spare kite of each size. And how, how how does that compare to sailing? Like, how much does a forty nine er cost? Well, yeah. So the, <laughs> I thought it was going to be cheaper, which is one of the reasons why I thought kiting would be good. Because I was like, oh, one of the things they're saying is it's way cheaper, so more people can do it. But the problem, like the thing with sailing, is like buying the boat is expensive. So a forty nine er FX is like twenty grand or something. And you'll buy that. How I mean, if you can, you only need to buy one if you want to. But with kites, it's more like a continual flow of money. Like you, we just buy new kites and sell kites all the time. Like you're always recycling gear because um, they don't so they don't last more, long. Do they last a season? Uh, well, yeah, that's the thing. It depends. If you're lucky, though. If though, if you're lucky and you get a good kite and nothing you don't get any tangles and you don't damage anything. They can last you a couple of years, like longer, like they can last you quite a long time. But at the front end of the fleet, if you want to keep, I don't know, winning races. Push. Yeah, exactly. Like everything, you just have to look at a foil kite and see how many different stitches and how many panels and like, it's insane. There's so, there's so much going on in a foil kite. And I don't even know that much about, like, I still don't know that much about them, but like, there has to be quite a lot of difference between each kite. Like you cannot, even the best person, the best sewing machinist in the world couldn't make two kites exactly the same. So you can't, you can't expect a batch of five kites to all be identical. I remember um, Connor talking to, talking to Connor prior to him getting into kiting when he was still doing the RSX stuff. And he used to explain to me how they'd buy like five rigs 
and then spend a good couple of weeks testing them to whittle it down to the two fastest. Because even though they're all production, they're all coming out the same space, it's so competitive, they're not perfect and one will be quicker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of where I'm at now. I guess it hasn't, I haven't, it's only been like this year really that I'm starting to get into more detail and like actually being able to buy multiple kites to test. Um, But it's like for sure makes quite a big difference so so let's back up then so you're on this thing you're doing quite well you're floating around portland harbor on a tube kite thinking is this going to go well or not was that race that you mentioned the first one in when did you say spring 2019 um it was that was the first yeah proper event i mean we so we went international yeah first international um I guess IKA event that we did um yeah and one what did that feel like and two how big was the British team at that point both guys and girls attending it was it was really cool it was um I kind of had met a few of the fleet before so we'd been to Mexico to train in the winter and I'd met a few there was like a pro tour event there so quite a few of the... The Ventana? Van- yeah, La Ventana. Um, quite a few people went over for that little event. I mean, I could... I was just getting around the course, like not even barely getting around the course. But um, so, yeah, I was quite excited to get to um, Garda to... That was kind of, I guess, my first like personal test to see if I can actually do an event without crashing all the time and not like doing a race without crashing basically and uh it was really cool to meet the rest of the fleet and to see the guys that we'd already met before I was like so surprised at how friendly everyone was and how open people were to like newbies coming in I guess um and it was yeah it was cool like most of yeah obviously had the bridges there and yeah Connor who'd been in the fleet for a while but um the rest of us were completely new to the fleet and um yeah it was a fairly I guess we were quite a big team looking back at it compared to most other people I mean we were the only people there with a team um it was like a group of us pretty much everyone was there kind of just on their own like a lot of other events you just go on your own and you race on your own and we were there like we have a yeah we had a coach we had yeah it was a proper team team thing but the goal at that point was literally to get round. Like no one was putting any external pressure on you to, you know, like yeah, get any yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. It was like turn up. Let's see how we do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like our, I guess our outcome was more towards the end of the year. That event was purely to like yeah, just to see, like partly to like see how much worse I was than most people, and to see if I could get round without crashing in like a racing environment because since then or like before that I wasn't even thinking about racing because I was just thinking about tacking and jibing so so who on the female side of things where did you stand in the team at that point then was there other people ahead of you making good progress around the course and getting um, a bit competitive or so I kind I guess I've kind of since we started doing little races in Portland I guess I've always kind of been at the front and I, I don't I don't know why I think I am quite good at picking up new things 
um, quickly. So I guess I was a, a little bit of a, a little bit further ahead than the rest of the UK guys. Not too much further ahead, but a little bit. But I mean, that wasn't even like, I don't know. We were all, we weren't really fighting for who was the best at that point. It's more about like, who just, fell off the least. Yeah, exactly. Like it, you kind of, I don't know, we looked at it a bit backwards, I guess, back then. Like you don't, we weren't even at all really competitive, like that competitive with ourselves. Um, well, it's it has changed drastically though in the last few years, hasn't it? And we probably see this yeah. now from the wing side of stuff. Like Liam and I even just today were saying, or Liam was saying that the wing racing that's happening now, even opposed to what was happening six months ago, is so much better because people can actually wing. Yeah, you know, they're actually a little bit more fun and competitive to watch because people can tack and jibe where they need to, and they're not just all yeah. collapsing in one big thing. So if you think back to four years, I mean, funnily enough, I mean, racing's been happening for a while, and they're on the foils. So they have been racing mm-hmm. for a long time, but you guys all jumping in, yeah, you have got to start somewhere. It's, it ain't going to look like world class stuff right at the start, is it? But yeah, you do man, have to be lumped did, in with all not. of it. <laughs> but yeah. that's what makes me laugh when when Steezy Pete did his race series here in Exmouth when he used to do that for a couple of summers like the only reason I ever used to win any of those races if Guy didn't partake was because I could turn around in both directions <laughs> that was the sole reason it didn't matter how quickly I went along in the straight lines I could turn around and I do remember that period at the beginning like I remember when you guys I think would come I think as a group some of you came to Exmouth mm-hmm. like when you're actually learning to kite yeah and like I remember that, and I remember some of those early bits, and obviously being interested because Guy was racing at that time. And I remember watching some of it, and it was the same thing, even at the top level. Like even on the international events in the early days, you had people that looked like they were just making their way around the course. Yeah. So it's amazing yeah. how it's progressed now. So when did it get serious for you then? Was it the end of that year? Had you progressed that quickly, or was it 2020? Um, I yeah, it was kind of towards the end of that year, I guess. I the the girls that had that were already racing and already doing it already doing the circuit became like suddenly within touching distance and you're like oh actually these guys aren't well apart from Daniela the other guys like they're not (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're not they're not too much like I could beat these people um I think at a point maybe mid-summer when I could actually start thinking about racing and not think like not worry about crashing all the time. I think that was the time when it, it kind of switched from getting around the the course dry to like getting around the course fast. And is that when you're presumably that's when your history in sailing and racing and tactics and, you know, wind awareness came to shine? Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of, yeah, it's quite funny. Like going from sailing where, at a fairly high level where you're just thinking about all the small details and like how can you beat this person and like all racing tactics and stuff and then you go to kite foiling and I was like completely at the beginning I didn't even think about that for like a whole year it was really weird like you don't even I'm not even going to think about the racing to then starting to like involve that in my kite foiling was it was really fun actually I really enjoyed it like just learning more and being able to think a bit more openly about racing as opposed to just getting around the court. I don't know. It just felt more like real, like this is a real sport now. 
Yeah, okay. And you presumably... I was just going to ask briefly, whilst you chatted about Daniela, what was her background? How how long had she been kiting before you guys rocked up and fucked everything up? Uh, Yeah, so she'd she'd been doing it... I think she said she learned in 2012. So when okay. when it first, I guess when it first was going to become Olympic, she learned to kite. Obviously, on a, she went. Was that on a formula board? Yeah. So she went straight to the race board and she yeah picked it up really well. And then was just on the boys circuit and obviously, yeah, doing super well till 20. So you guys yeah. caught it up. Yeah. Yeah. So you did well enough after your 12 months of funding to get some more funding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what I think was that, that was... What was that conversation like? Um, God, I can't even remember. I think it was... Uh, you put your hand oh, no, out no, front it, like it, this, Liam, and you say, please, <laughs> please, <laughs> can I have some more? <laughs> yeah, so I did, I did well enough to, like, jump up a funding level, but because... There was some weird clause because the because kiting hadn't been I think it still hadn't been completely confirmed or something or it wasn't hundred percent confirmed that they couldn't they couldn't put me up above a certain amount or something I can't remember what it was but it was yeah it was good it was fine right so then when did you start pushing for top ten um. Oh, well, it was kind of that year, really. Oh, really? That year, yeah, basically the... So the first year, 2019, I guess, in the summer, most of our fleets were, like, mixed fleet because until then there hadn't been enough girls to, like... Or not very often was there enough girls to have an only girls fleet. So pretty much all the events we went to were mixed fleet, which is quite different racing to just with the girls. Because obviously the guys, especially the good guys, are significantly faster than us. And I just, I was still quite new and I didn't really want to get into, get in anyone's way. So you're always like kind of starting second row anyway. Um, and like battling it out with the girls. Once everyone spreads out a bit, you're kind of battling it out with the girls. Um, but then at the end of the year, we did, what was it? The Europeans. And yeah, the European Championships was just girls racing. So a fleet of just girls and there was quite a few I can't remember how many I think there was maybe 45 girls there which for compared to like the previous years where there was maybe 10 was quite a big jump forward 45 is a proper start line isn't that yeah where were, yeah, where no, were they all coming solid. from um so there was a lot of Brits there was quite a big Polish team I remember there was obviously your your Daniela and some of the guys that had been racing for a while from like Australia and New Zealand. And there was a, a Russian girl that was really good. And yeah, a few other randomers that had been like a couple of French that had been doing it for a while. And the French team was still just building itself. It wasn't that big yet. A lot of the youth girls that had done the youth twintit racing that had just yeah I up. forgot that that was a big thing prior yeah. wasn't it as a, yeah as a I didn't even know stone. it was a thing yeah and they even did that weird like cross event where you had to do the course racing but also like jump over inflatables yeah. didn't oh, you or looked, something mad I kind of wish I knew about it when I was younger it looks so fun. much fun <laughs> yeah okay 
So what do you think that gender performance gap would be like nowadays? Um, between the guys and the girls. Yeah, if you were to yeah. line up top 20 versus yeah, top 20. Yeah, so sometimes we'll do, in fact, we very rarely, at actual events, we very rarely do mixed racing, but sometimes there'll be like a coach's regatta or something and everyone will just race together, which is really nice because it means you can still, as there are opportunities to race with the guys. Yeah. And it's still, it is still quite big. Like I wouldn't be up there with the top guys but I'd probably be around middle of if I'm yeah around maybe middle end of gold fleet right okay so competitive in the event but not for the podium yeah yeah I think in certain conditions I think I could do okay but the guys are just like they're just faster we're basically on the same kit as them and they're 20 kilos heavier than us <laughs> so so that's what we were going to come on to that yeah is is it going to close is that gap going to close yeah so this is something again when I started kiting that I was quite excited about because I didn't think weight really had I didn't well I just didn't know anything about it I didn't think that it would matter about weight because in the fx I was kind of trying to gain weight a little bit to be be faster and then I was um but yeah I didn't I don't know I didn't didn't know enough about it to know and it's kind of I guess obviously become a bit more apparent that we're on the same kit as the guys we're using basically the same size kites as the guys and yet we're slower than them but we're also lighter than them um and then yeah some of the girls that are a bit heavier are proving that it's um you can go faster basically hold on hold on so so I thought that the advantage of the weight was to use bigger kites in the same wind conditions or are you mm-hmm. saying on exactly the same size kite in the same wind heavier still quicker uh pretty much yeah I mean it's both of them like being heavier you can hold down a bigger kite for longer you can tack you could tack faster because you can um swing the kite faster and keep your weight down if that makes sense um right. but also because I I wish I I wish I knew the mass and the science and all everything behind this but because you've got like more mass that goes through the foil you can generate more power from the foil and then go faster that kind of makes sense it doesn't okay. it's definitely I mean it's not a complete given that if you're heavier you're just going to instantly go faster um like you've got to be able to use the weight but it it is very obvious in racing that if you're heavier you have like the ability to make the foil go faster it's very obvious from the social medias over the last few years that the podium (laughs) they've been getting getting a bit chunkier some big fellas there it's more noticeable in the men's than the women's isn't it i think in terms of visually yeah the guys really um yeah they've been getting pretty big oh didn't um was it Polly maybe told us that Jimmy wasn't in the best books after she went for a 50k run um, instead, of, <laughs> instead of piling on the weight or something? Didn't she get a little bit of a, <laughs> maybe. maybe 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 not the best way to add weight, Jimmy, if, you, uh, yeah. you try, if you're trying to build weight, don't go on a 50k run. Mm-hmm. What is your training? Does, yeah, how does your training look Out, outside of riding kites? Are you, are you in the gym much? Are you, you know, do you have a nutrition yeah. plan or is it just straight down the fucking McDonald's every day? <laughs> no, I don't think I'd be here if I'd be doing that. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, I guess to begin with, it was very much like time on the water. And I was just out on the water all the time, kiting, 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 kiting. And now that I'm, I guess, a bit better, it's, I don't know, I've been looking at other ways to A bit get better. better. You're going to the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not floating out the middle of Portland Harbour anymore. No, no. Not I bet you time. are. I bet you are on the wrong day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's something I guess I've struggled with a little bit. I I like, I don't know, I like doing lots of things. I like kiting, I like bike riding, I like running, I like being active, really like doing lots of things. But obviously being active all the time is quite detrimental to gaining weight. So I guess a big change that I've had to make over the past year is kind of um, instead of doing all the activities not doing them and then going to are the they, gym are they, and lifting are they weights. Actively, are they actively trying to get you guys to gain weight? I know we talk about it, that obviously it seems to work, but is that is that a tactic now? Yeah, yeah, I think it, it kind of is for everyone. I mean, obviously the, the team would never, they're not, like they never make you do anything. It's more like, it's it's fairly, it's fairly clear that if I get heavier, I'm going to do better. Like the difference between, me and Lorianne, for example, Lorianne's the French girl that basically won everything last year. Like the biggest difference between me and her is that she's 15 kilos heavier than me. And that is That's a lot to gain, Ellie. That it, is a lot. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Fuck, I'd do well. Um, God, I'd do well. Hey, Freddie, you would be on, <laughs> if I on had, the podium in no time. If I had any foil skill, I might have uh, had a look into that. Yeah, oh, it's, I don't know, it's kind of, it is a, kind of sucks a bit because it makes it from what is a really cool sport and like a very athletic sport into something that's like I don't know everyone in the fleet always jokes that like you just have to eat just do nothing just eat food all the time and just get fat but but it does like it is kind of a bit of the reality of what it's becoming in like becoming a little bit you still have to be athletic don't you yeah no absolutely yeah yeah there's still a certain force on your front foot that you're having to keep down like i know that's oh yeah no for sure weight but it's also muscle isn't it yeah you have to be able to use the weight that's the thing like you could be big but if you can't use your weight properly then there's no point in having it equally if you're a bit smaller but you know how to use the weight and you're strong then you can make up for not being as heavy um but yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that like, I don't know, especially now that it's. They've always had weight categories in, in sailing, haven't they? Like the, the, if you were a certain height and a certain weight in a certain category or like your, your height and weight would put you into a certain position on a boat. You, you, yeah, you for sure. Me if I'm yeah. barking at the right tree or not. Yeah, no, you, you for sure have, but I think kite foil is such a small sport anyway. Like, so they're, not they're just really, putting all, all the fatties into kite foiling then. I think now now they are. (laughs) I do think that the sport should grow to a size. It'd be nice if it grew to a size where you'd have weight categories of racing. And I don't think that would be unreasonable because if it was that competitive and it was big enough, then it would allow Mm. for that. But how, like, because weight's always been a big thing in sailing. And I feel like, you know, if you're into Olympic weightlifting or powerlifting or whatever, Yes, the advantage to be a heavier person will likely result in you picking up more, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, the coach can just tell you your objective is to pick up more. 
Whereas how, like, I'd hate to be in a senior position in the RYA is what I'm saying, where I'm like, right then, guys, we've got to get our coaches and nutritionists to actively encourage our athletes to put on weight, which is quite a difficult topic to broach in today's world. Mm-hmm. Like, does it get managed well in the RYA? And are they yeah. open about it? And do they have to be PC about it? Or is it like, look, here's the answer if you want to do it, do it if you want. I think I think it is done really well. Like, I guess our my world is quite different to normal normal life like it's a very professional environment like it's an athletic environment all the sailors we all live in the same area and at the moment most of the olympic classes most people are trying to gain weight so it's not it's it's just a i don't know it is just a thing that everyone's doing like um i think when you're at, when you're at that level the whole pc stuff doesn't come into it like you said, yeah, no, if, you, no, no, if, you, if, if you want to win, you need to be heavy. If you don't want to exactly. win or you want to take it to heart that I've told you to pile on some weight, then you're not going to go to the Olympics. It's a, it's a yeah. clear cut kind of And es- essentially, situation. like we, I don't know what it looks like from the outside, but like we run our own campaigns. Like the team, the team are there to support us and to basically help do what we want to do. But they would never, they never make you do something you don't want to do. So everything, everything's driven by us. Like we'll have a review at the end of the year and be like, what went well this year? What didn't go well? How can we get better? And it, I guess as it's become obvious in quite a few sailing classes, heavier is better. So then there's quite a big trend for everyone to get heavier. And it's, it's, just, a th- it's just a thing that everyone does. Like no one's really doing much cardio anymore. It's just all lifting weights and all like, I don't know, it does make it easier that everyone's trying to do it together. And is that on your list? Like, is that an objective for you? Like, is that categorically one of your things? Like, I want to achieve this weight in this amount of time? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. No way. Who's your, uh, you said there with the team, who is, who's the team? Who, you know, is it, is it you guys and the coaches? Is there you guys now? I presume the girls are still around, I guess, but Mm -hmm. who's, who's in your core group that controls what's, what's going on? Yeah. So I guess um, everyone's, in a single-handed class, which I am a single-handed class, it's like, it's me, I guess, my coach, and then the people around me, like the wider support staff. So like the physios and the all the other ologies, like this physiologists and like all these other people that are around, like helping make things happen and making, making programs. Making an optimal and human. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's like the personal side, I guess, which is all of the things outside of, I guess, the training environment that are helping me. And then I've got the the squad. So the other girls who we train with and like we're fairly open with stuff, but like things outside of just training on the water is quite like personal and it's quite tailored to you. How motivated are the rest of the girls to train with you? Like how many of them are still going to compete in the international events that aren't doing the Olympics? Um, Everyone, I think. So there's four. Oh, sweet. Yeah, there's four girls left in the squad, including me, I guess. And um, as far as, yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone's going to carry on. I mean, I don't know if everyone I don't think everyone's decided if they're going to carry on after this year or not but I think their plan is probably to carry on um and will they get full-time funding is it enough to live off the funding that they will get to do internationals 
Yeah, so uh, yeah, you basically have to perform every year. So at, normally it's the world championships are like the big outcome event. So as long as they hit their the funding criteria, then they can stay on funding and keep going. Decent. Mm-hmm. How big is the um, psychology side of it now that you're at the very top? Um, I think it's it's very personal to different people. Like, I don't know, some people are very um, psychologically driven and they think a lot about stuff. But um, from, I guess for me, I, I don't know, I haven't, I just don't want to, don't want to change too much from what I've been doing. So I don't, I try not to overthink things. So you don't, you're not someone that needs firing up for the event. It's kind of fun and you like the racing and you just, you enjoy it. So you turn up to do it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit different when you've got a lot of pressure on it but I think the pressure um kind of drives me if you if you want to use any techniques for psyching yourself up for the start of stuff like me and Liam are usually pretty good as you've seen (laughs) for for getting things going (laughs) for the hello everybody yeah Uh, you just get psyched up start jumping up and down waving like a complete idiot but yeah Yeah. we're pretty good at that um Ice baths. You doing ice baths? Everyone on Instagram's talking about ice baths nowadays. Yeah, yeah. In the summer, we do ice baths. Yeah, not in the winter. Amazing. Nah, I, I, don't, I really, I just don't like. I'm cold so like if I'm going on the water in the UK in the winter, I'm just cold all the time. I don't want to get more cold. Today was cold. Today was definitely cold. <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of want to move. I do want to talk about your personal foiling stuff, but just before we do. I wanted to talk about how gear techie it's getting mm-hmm. now. Cause like you said, like at the early stage, you're all about time on foil. Yeah. Um, and the understanding that I've got of your position all just comes through conversations with like your coach Stevie and guy here when, when they used to be chatting together and stuff. And I remember Stevie emphasizing to guy so much that look, you're at this level through time on the water everyone else is kind of catching up to that now because they've also Mm -hmm. now had the time that you had. And it was all about like gear tuning and bridle tuning and, you know, that really analytical side to the sport. How much of that are you doing and how much of that do you actually enjoy? Is it, is it imperative to win? Um, it, how I'm not, I'm not that much of a techie person. I try to be sometimes, but I really, I still don't, like when you look at kites, I still don't know that much about them to know exactly what to change with them. Like a lot of the guys that are uh, team riders and have worked with the brands and helped develop things. Like Connor, I know one of the other British guys has worked with brands for years and years and helped develop kites and he knows everything about them and he can change little things and tweak with them. But I think I still haven't got quite there yet. Maybe it's time, maybe it's time spent testing things and trying things. But I... I think, I think. Do you have you people can... around you that would do that for you? Perhaps, um, like now that you know, could Connor be that support person? Yeah, a little bit. Still, there's not that many people around that know that much about the kit that haven't developed it. Like the guys that have been in the industry for years, they know everything about it. But I think, I don't know, I think you can get into 
looking a lot at the different little bridal testing and stuff like this but then it can very easily open a can of worms that doesn't actually make anything better I think there's certain things you can do that are fairly simple and I don't know just checking the kite's symmetrical and things like that like basic tests that I think you definitely everyone has to do but when it gets into the real details of I don't know I I just I struggle I hate it's very easy to blame your kit for stuff especially in racing if you're not going so well and you're not going so fast it's very easy to be like oh my kite feels bad this my foil feels bad like but I think as long as you know as long as you've done all these tests and you know your kit's good it I don't know I just don't like I don't like blaming other things for my performance unless I know I respect that I think a lot of a lot of listeners can take note of that um just, chances just are if you're it. on a if you're on a brand new whatever brand good brand setup it's probably not the foil stabilizer shim angle that's making you not jibe yeah yeah that's chances the thing are. Like, like i know there's going to be definitely differences in stuff because there's being like a lot of kit being made but um it is the best like it's the most high performance foiling kit you can buy basically like it's going to be good and like yeah when you're looking into like the really small details of stuff like tiny I don't know half knot differences in speed then you can start questioning things you can start questioning things and testing little little things like line lengths and stuff like that but um yeah the the whole like really detailed techie stuff I'm at the moment not that into all right. Well, one final can of worms for you to settle a debate that rages on Facebook. Yeah. As the fastest female foiler in the world, what is the best mast finish? What grit of sandpaper at what <laughs> angle? Everybody wants to know. Um, uh, I think it just depends where you are. Well, what the water temperature is. Water temperature. Is actually? Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Water temperature. All right, tell us. This is cool. Yeah, so... I guess this is fairly base like on a in a on a basic level the colder the water the rougher you want to go and the warmer the water I think she just this... called us basically <laughs> mate we are very basic you saw that bloody Monty Python meme that was created <laughs> so the colder the water yeah, so the rougher like... the finish yeah, basically. But what are we talking? 400? Uh, nah, I would, I I think the roughest I've ever been is 600, but you probably don't need to go to that, like 800 maybe? 800 And am I right thousand. in thinking you do 45 degree to direction of travel in both directions? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and make sure, yeah, use nice. like a, a sanding pad or something, like something that creates an even... Oh, Liam, um, me, me and you sand. commentating on a race on the beach would be fucking hysterical. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Get on your mask there, mate. Ooh, no, but that's hell. genuinely interesting. It's, I, it's like, interesting, but I, it's ridiculous I, I at the same because time. Although I, although I am joking, I'm also interested. I, I, I'm asking it from both angles. One, it does actually make a legitimate difference when you're at you know the performance end of the sport. But I also think it make, it's funny how many people think it would make a massive difference when they're traveling around at 14 knots on a slingshot yeah. infinity or whatever. So, okay. And what? I, oh, poor slingshot. <laughs> I'd, I'd say... Other large foils are available. Yeah. As, as, a, uh, as an all-rounder, 
I go twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. And, and I, I, although I was joking, they do actually do it at forty-five degree, don't they? To to the yeah. vertical. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, very good. Now. Talk to us about. Let's get off this foiling or the kite racing stuff. Uh, what are you doing in your own spare time? <laughs> I'm just thinking. I've I've rocked up to Westwood Hill a couple of years ago, and you guys were all out there shredding waves. Is that still happening now that we're in 2024 and and we're around the corner? Or what are you doing in your personal time when when it is? Yeah, you're allowed to do anything else. Yeah, you're allowed to. (laughs) Um, A little bit, yeah. I'm not, I don't have, at the moment, I don't have that much free time. But yeah, like whenever I, whenever I do, I'm out winging or kiting. I'm quite, I got quite into winging last year, the year before, past couple of years. And then... Yeah, well, I'll just be out cruising, really. Nothing like, nothing too gnarly, I guess. So like uh, flat water free riding or waves or oh, freestyle? Nah, I don't really, I don't really like flat water very much. <laughs> Good, correct. Um, Good. Yeah, I think, I think after the summer, I mean, I've got loads of things I want to do after the summer, but I think after then I'll get back into sort of, well, not big air, medium air and uh, that sort of thing, because Portland's kind of perfect for it. But, um, Sorry, we're we kiting now or winging bigger. Oh yeah, no, no, uh, kiting. But yeah, oh, you got winging. me worried then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, but but yeah, just like wait, I love cruising in waves. I love winging in waves. Um, so where's yeah, the winging? Like, where's uh, the winging come then? Were you winging before? You must have been winging before the likes of that race event that you guys all or you seem to to jump onto. Did winging just come yeah. from being being in Portland or what? A little bit. I mean, the guys down here started winging when it first came out, I guess. And I'd see people in the harbour in flat water, just like going along 10 knots, looking really wobbly. And it just didn't look that nice. And I was like, oh, that does not look appealing. I'm not into that. And then and then I started seeing some of the guys go out in the waves and, yeah, riding waves. And I was like, actually, that that looks cool. Because I'm not, I'm not much of, I'm not a very good surfer. I haven't didn't grow up surfing or anything so I'm not I don't know my surfing ability is much worse than I'd like to think so the the idea of winging and being able to just wing out over the waves and not having to worry about paddling out um was quite appealing to me so that's kind of why I got into winging I guess when did I get into it a couple years ago um like borrowed some kit and then started started winging a bit and then oh yeah I just love winging in the waves really because it does seem like every little bit of. Uh, do you still use the GB Kite Girls Instagram page? Uh not really. That kind of, that's died a death, is it? Well, yeah, I, I enjoyed watching that. Everything you guys put on there was basically everything but kite racing. It was all yeah. toe, toe <laughs> yeah. foiling, um, and and wing foiling and pump foiling. Everything yeah. but what you were being f- there for, I guess. So you yeah. obviously had some time off in on your training days in Mexico and stuff. Um, yeah like yeah I guess the cool thing about kite foiling I guess or kiting is that there's so many different areas of the sport and there's so many different things you can do that are relatable that are kind of you can say is cross training I think it's good so what happened what happened with the wing race side of things then you Um, took part in an event what last year or the year before now yeah when was it last year yeah, last or oh, a year before, well, whatever autumn, not not the one gone the year before. Yeah, I got were into you, were wing you planning racing. on it. 
a little bit yeah so I yeah got into winging was doing winging just for fun and then I was like oh this is quite cool there's like um I guess an opportunity to do some wing racing or do something that there's I mean I was kind of following it a little bit and I was like no one no one's very good because most people came just from kiting or um learned to wing I guess but there wasn't like especially in the girls fleet there was no one that was like there's not that many people that were good and I kind of backed myself to be able to uh pick it up fairly easily I guess apart from the old getting around the course without falling in job again (laughs) (laughs) back to square one yeah yeah so I um I guess I kind of used wing racing as a a way to try and like kind of get wing sponsorship kind of um I I like approached North and um said I wanted to get into wing racing but I didn't have any kit or anything so um yeah I managed to get some kit and kind of had a bit of momentum to go do some wing racing um which was yeah it was fun that the event in Garda well I can't remember what even event it was called but it was kind of more as like a little test run just to be like how what is this like and what's the level like and stuff like that um which was really fun actually it was cool to do something different um and I would have I would have liked to do more but I just yeah the closer it gets to the Olympics are like the less time, especially like weeks, weeks that events line up, um, the less time I have to kind of do other stuff. So I think you've answered one of the questions that I wanted to ask. One of my predictions is that winging could well replace kite foiling in future Olympics. Mm. Yeah, and and I was just going to say, so it sounds to me as though you would be quite, you know, if if push came to shove, you'd probably swap to that program. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say no. And then do you think that it would have a similar effect? You know, is the Olympics that big of a draw where pretty much everybody would in, in a bit like, you know, when windsurfing was gone, all the windsurfers were learning to mm-hmm. kite. Do you think the same thing had happened again? And do you think that might happen as well? Is there any murmurings I... on the inside? There's, I mean, there's always been a lot of chat about it, um, about winging replacing kite foiling. I think, I think there's a high chance that winging will get become Olympic, but I don't. Basically, I don't think it will. I don't. I can't imagine it replacing kite foiling, and but but just because I think wing racing is so similar to wind foil racing, so the windsurfing. That that's I back in now, is it? Yeah, so windsurfing is um, windsurfing, but foiling. Yeah, and it's which they pretty give it a much, new name. Uh, IQ foil. That's it. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think wing foiling is too similar to that for them to have both of them. So I just can't imagine an Olympics with both of them. So I think it's more likely that wing foiling will replace the windsurfing. My um, question but, would be when, when, when would that likely to be? Like you, you say, oh, cool, I'd, I'd be keen on having that a go, but. Yeah, we're, we are now 2024. Presumably, 2028 mm. is already like in the diary job done. So yeah. then you'd be looking towards 2032. Yeah, Not yeah, long. that's the thing. I think it probably, yeah, probably won't be till 2032. Are you going to be around at that change. point? 
Like, oh, what's the cutoff for idea. ages? Well, I, as in, but like, what what is the when hypothetical did, when did Steph age win her last world yeah, championship? I was say. Steph's an enigma, though. Yeah, Steph's like different. <laughs> is it something that you you know are you, you going to get booted out for age? Like rugby players do uh, at age thirty two, or like the thing with well, I guess foiling and winging and stuff is a bit different because all the kids are really good at it, but. Um, with sailing like you you learn so much with time and and I guess age like with experience so actually a lot of there's a lot of guys that are in the in the world circuit that are actually like quite old or like a bit older those poor Um, guys (laughs) what are they are they in their 30s or are they in their 40s uh some people there was a guy that was like yeah in their 40s yeah cool um, but I think with stuff like winging and kiting, like if you're if you're a bit, like if you're fit and still good, then then keep doing it. They're not going to kick you out because, like, as long as yeah, if you're still the best, then so if you stay out of trouble out. with the crashes, because as long as you're not crashing and your your yeah. physio's good, I guess it's fairly yeah. low impact. I fucking love watching the crashes. The kite no, crashes are bad. <laughs> like, if have they, you had any hectic ones? Up, yeah, have you had any bad ones? <laughs> Um, not, not super, super bad. No. There's some proper catapults, isn't there? When they get twisted. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't don't want to watch anyone get hurt, but I want to want, I want to watch someone get catapulted 20 foot in the air. Yeah. They're pretty good, aren't they? Yeah. Fucking brilliant. Who's the hottest rivalry country wise? In kite foiling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. The French. Bloody French. Yeah. I do like the pastries. <laughs> what's the predictions? Obviously, you're getting gold. What's who's getting who's getting silver and bronze in the girls' fleet? And then do the guys um, as well. I mean, you'd have to put the French on the podium for sure. What? Two and three. Oh well, no, because there's only one per. And you get one. Oh yeah. shit! Of course. That'd be that'd be rude. Um. I think in the girls, French, and I, I think maybe the, maybe the Chinese. Oh, wow. Is Daniela not, um, is she she not as, as like dominating as she was a couple of years back? So she, yeah, obviously was super, super dominant for many, many years, like 10 years, I guess. Um, And I think last year was kind of the year where everyone caught up with her a bit. And I think that coincided with her um, kind of, as she calls it, burnout. Like, basically, she's been doing it for a really long time. And I mean, it's the worst, like the hardest position to be in, right? You've been leading everything, you're winning everything. And then suddenly you've got this storm of people behind you that are just catching you up. And they've always got you to look at. Like, we've always been looking at Daniela as the person to beat. We've always had her as a marker, but for her, she hasn't really had a marker because she's been the best. It's impossible to be chased, isn't it? It's a shame that she's also only just getting to the Olympics now, or as in like exactly like it's almost like the the worst timing. Like we don't know, we've got so much momentum behind us still. Like we're we're always pushing. Like the level is just getting harder and harder to beat. And I think that like her being overtaken now, she's got to like realize that there's someone else to beat now like and 
try and focus on that to I guess give her more like momentum to keep going as well um so I don't I don't know I'd be interested I think last year was a bit of she had a bit of a decline um like she definitely wasn't racing as well as she could race so I think it could I don't know it'll go 50 50 she'll either do really well and she'll podium or she won't and what about the guys who uh which which heifer lumps on the podium for the guys <laughs> Ooh. um I think I think Maximilian the Singaporean kid who's been winning lots of things <laughs> yeah, winning is, everything I don't I can't even remember how old he is but he's looks back he big. his age yeah, he big. <laughs> he big. He they, they were all pretty big. Um, I think I would. I want to say French. Oh, obviously they haven't selected anyone yet, but I want to say the French have a have um, a good chance of podiuming. And then I, I'm going to say Great Britain. I think I think Connor can bring it back. So tell us about Connor then, because currently, is he not in the best position? What's going on? Um, so he did really well at the beginning of last year. He was on the podium in like the first three events of the year, which is like is pretty good, especially in the guys' fleet, because the guys' fleet is like, there's so many of them that are really good. Every event, it's like fighting for even the top 10. So he did really well. And then I don't exactly know why or yeah what was going on but he the the first uh, event to qualify the country was at the world championships last year in the Hague and you had to be top eight country in your class to qualify the country and Connor finished just outside the top eight country which meant he didn't qualify um and then so that's like first chance to qualify and then after that it goes to a few other random events to qualify like um continents I guess so you've got like the Pan Ams to qualify American countries you've got like the African championships you've got the Asian championships and then you had the Europeans which were in Portsmouth in the autumn last year so that was his second chance to qualify the country so he had to be top um, European country that hadn't already qualified to get the spot so there was only one spot and he it came all the way down to the like semi-finals and it was him against the German guy. And normally Connor would beat him, but he managed in this one event, he managed to uh Yanis managed to beat him and he got the spot. So Germany qualified. And so um yeah, so he didn't manage to qualify at the Europeans, which has probably, yeah, meant that it's been quite a hard winter because there's a lot of pressure now leading on one final event to qualify. So if you don't qualify in any of the events before, there's an event in the springtime. It's in like April, I think, or May, April. And it's called like the Last Chance Regatta, which is basically everyone that hasn't qualified will all race together. And there's like five spots to qualify. And that's the last five people that will get a spot for the Olympics. So he'll be in that regatta, hopefully. I mean, yeah, hopefully he'll do, he'll smash it and it'll be fine. Well, but Get on, Connor. We hope you get in. Yeah, I haven't spent tons of time with that guy, but he does strike me as that sort of person that if he turns up on the day with the right mental headspace... Don't fucking get in his way because he's going to yeah. win. He, do, he yeah, strikes yeah. me as that sort of personality. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah I think yeah hopefully you can get everything in line and just be good (laughs) (laughs) so who's who's our um who's our technical expert correspondent going to be for the generic falling podcast coverage of paris 2024 (laughs) well yeah we're going to need somebody on the well we just need to rope jimmy in don't we she's already the commentator queen yeah we need to give her get her to give us some 10 minute snippets of what's going on Throw in a few curse words. Tell her she's not going to be judged. It needs to be as witty as possible. None of this fucking live media bollocks. It's going to be... Uh-huh. Tell us what's actually happening, Jimmy. Don't tell us what you want everyone to hear. Tell us what's actually happening. Yeah. Oh, she fucked that one right up. Yeah, that kind of thing. That's what <laughs> and we, we want off-the-water gossip as well, don't we? That's what oh, we that's, really want. That's the only thing I want. You can get the rest of the information on the on the Olympics. <laughs> Liam was talking about uh, flying over, though, Ellie. Trying to watch oh, it. Yeah. yeah, where like cool. how, where actually will the racing be happening? Tahiti. Uh there were oh I, I wish. Yeah, with the surfing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's in Marseille in the south of France. Oh, okay. Oh, it'd be fun, wouldn't it? But you'd need a boat, presumably, to get out and actually see anything. I assume it's bloody kilometres offshore as usual. Nah, well the good thing about kayaking is we have to be next to the beach. So we're always like the closest ones. You'll be buzzing the uh, buzzing the sandbar right in front of all the the crowds of people. On last year, we had like a test event thing there, and it was like cross off wind, and we were literally like maybe twenty meters off the beach. Shit! Is this the one where the footage was being, and you were all just having kites collapsing before you'd even got off the beach, and it was an absolute disaster trying to leave the beach? Was that somewhere else? <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like pretty much every event. <laughs> <laughs> The real- see this is the commentary we want Freddie. <laughs> honestly the like the olympics if the if the wind is good it will be really cool but if the wind is not good it will literally be the shittest event you'll ever see oh like, no no Marseille- hang on. sorry no we've watched we've watched windsurfing in years gone by in light winds <laughs> that was shit that was unbelievable I don't know. shit Who's got the best hip flexors in the game? That's yeah. the only thing that I ever found out. Who'd be an unbelievably dominant shag? <laughs> Welcome to the 2024 Thrusting World Championships. Oh, I remember watching that even... Oh, if anything was going to make me hate windsurfing more than I already hated it, that was it. Well, that just looks horrible. Anyway. Yeah. So oh, we might so we might see you in France then. After the Olympics yeah. then. So once you've won, uh mm-hmm. I imagine you'll Who's the, who's the corporate sponsor number one? Who are we going oh, after? Oh yeah, true. Who are we you going after? T- well, T V interviews speaking and that. Of, who are we going um, for? Speaking of NECA, that was a while back when we were trying to get Richard Branson to sponsor us. It'd be cool, right? Yeah, know, have yeah you why been, wouldn't he? Well, have you been in touch with Nick Jacobson? He's got the in in invite he? there. Yeah, I don't he? really Yeah, I don't really know many people. But um, yeah, I don't know. I have his well, direct email. Do you? There you go. I do. I will give it to you. There's got to be. There's there's tons of people with with Richard Branson's email and kiting. There's got to be with everything he's done so far. I can't see why he wouldn't mm-hmm. want to throw you throw you a bone. Exactly. But so you so you're gonna you're gonna blow like presumably you must you're gonna win a million for coming gold probably I assume. <laughs> so how how long no, how many do. months how much how many months is that gonna take you to spend and then what are you gonna do after that once it's all run out. Um, no, you don't get any money for winning medals. What do you mean what? you don't get any money? Why are you doing it? <laughs> Four I, years? I do question it sometimes. 
Um, a waste of time, eh? Nah, some some countries, like quite a lot of countries, you get like bonuses, but um, yeah, it's not how the UK works. The RYA are stingy bastards, aren't they? <laughs> Shocking. But then you'll be on to your wing, wing racing after that, or are you going to... Because there's no... We, we Liam and I keep saying there's no British girls... Mm-hmm. doing much with winging in general any discipline yeah no you're right you're right i do um steph's the best that we know of cheska must be pretty good i imagine i think so yeah i think she's getting a bit more into it i do i want to get more into it i think um i'd like to see yeah see if i could put a bit more time i don't know i just want to i want to go to some cool places where they actually have good waves and good conditions. Are they? Because the thing is, paying like, for you to do it though. By that point, unless you're still on some sort not, of program. Yeah, I don't know. I'll figure out. Figure something out, <laughs> Mr. Branson. I just want to, Mr. Branson. <laughs> can you send me to One Eye, please? Well, are you, would you stay? Would you not stay on the program? Like, what? What is you? Either way, however this goes, would you not have six months off and then start preparing for 2028 and the World yeah, Championships maybe. and all the rest of I it? I mean, it'd be cool to try and stay on the programme for as... I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. We'll see how this one goes. And it'd then, be cool um, to stay on the programme to get paid to kite surf. Yeah, I, I yeah, agree. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> no, nah, I, I definitely want to... I mean, I've been doing this for like five years, basically my whole life for five years. I've really not done that much like that much else really so i would i would like to take a bit of time and do other some other stuff i i, I did think mexico looked looked hard work um Fuerteventura <laughs> as well like it looked really hard work actually yeah, yeah hold on literally every time i speak with stevie or ben for that matter it's like yeah yeah, yeah. i did did the training camp over in Ferta, and then he just starts pulling out videos of him getting towed into lob offs and stuff and i'm like <laughs> what that doesn't look like foil racing. That looks like you having the time of your life. Don't tell the RYA. Don't don't tell them. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That's that's sorry. why they needed to take all the ribs over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's cross cross training. Cross training. No, it is, motivation. It's epic. Psychology. Like, Psychology. It is, yeah, it is it is epic. I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for anything. Can you tell us? Um, so there was an event, and again, I don't know much about it, but there was an event where Guy did really really well when there was minus four knots of wind and he basically just pumped his way around pumped. the entire course. Um, by From what we heard, you guys might, might have been pushed to do a little bit more foil skill training to be able to do that kind of stuff. Was that true? What Was that Switzerland uh, last It might have been year, Austria. Maybe? Or Austria, yeah. one of the lakes, wasn't it? Lake it was at the pin end. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, um, that's quite a unique place, actually. It's probably one of the only places where it's been literally like three knots and we've been racing, which is really cool. Like the wind is just, I don't know, it's just a bit different there. It's so consistent that as long as you do everything perfectly, you can you can stay foiling for quite a long time. But, um, but yeah, after that, it was super, super light and we had quite an interesting... Yeah, an interesting time because there wasn't that much racing happening because it was very light and a lot of people were swimming. So a lot of people were getting pretty angry that it wasn't windy enough. Um, but it was quite apparent that the the guys that were really good at kite control and pumping um, were doing pretty well. Um, so then, yeah, like there's, there's so many like cross train, like, yeah, pump foiling, like it is part of kite racing. Like when it's not windy, you've got to be good at, com- uh, good at pumping. Otherwise, you're going to fall in the water. Like out of manoeuvres and stuff, you need a bit of extra pump. 
So I did. Uh, I yeah. did just watch. I've just come back from the Dusseldorf boat show, and their indoor winging uh, center they had with a load of fans, which basically uh-huh. was the guys pump foiling, like dock starting with a wing in their hand, and then pump foiling their way around the pool nice. with a wing and in pretending they were winging and pretending yeah. they were winging and i'm like this is not it's not quite what it's not quite what the people wanted or said we'd be seeing mm. but fucking impressive ellie did yeah. you see freddie's instagram stories from the boat show no i didn't oh there's you, you you're, you're familiar with the pool you must have seen videos of the setup they have there yeah yeah so for anyone that hasn't seen is, is it dusseldorf is that what it's called mm-hmm yeah, so I've seen it. It's been quite famous for years, isn't it? It's one of the biggest in the world. They've got this enormous pool. It looks even bigger than an Olympic swimming pool. And then they just line one side of the wall with these enormous fans and create this fake thing. Um, and I know a, a friend of mine actually had a go there back when it was just windsurfing. And they used to have a quarter pipe on the side of the pool with like a slot in it for the fin. And they would slide down the quarter pipe on a windsurfing setup into the pool, hit the wind from the fan, and then go and hit a kicker. And he said it was like the most chaotic thing in the world because you'd go down the quarter pipe with zero knots, you'd hit the fans at like sort of 20 knots, hit the kicker and land in nothing again. But anyway, Freddie, um, Freddie had this nice little video when all the pumping and happening, the winging and happening, they'd run a little cable wakeboarding event. And then there was just this serene clip of people like paddleboarding around the pool. And Freddie was obviously very excited about that. And I was like, it would have been funny if they'd have made that realistic to most people's paddleboarding experience and just waiting for them to get in the middle of the pool. And they were like, right, everybody, you've been a bit stupid. There's offshore wind, right? Line up, face the fans. We're going to turn the fans on now. Turn the fan on them. Like, right, paddle at the fan for half an hour. Enjoy your kneel down paddleboarding. I basically just put up a lot of stories, just ripping into a few people. And I, I don't think we've ever nice. had that much uh, feedback from the readers, listeners, whatever you want to call them. There was a lot of feedback there, uh, especially. Oh, the, really? Yeah, I'm not even going to go into it. There's a lot of abuse for a lot of stuff. There's a guy in Speedos right. there. I didn't like that. I didn't think that was suitable. Not for the children. <laughs> but then we were in Germany, which is the home. So dream, dream sponsor. Come on. I want a dream sponsor. Is it Jaffa Cakes? Is it someone Ooh. big in corporate? Is it Jaguar Land Rover? Who are we going for? Dream sponsor. While you're thinking about it, I got I got quite annoyed the other day. I saw a snowboarder from Essex who had managed to get some sort of sponsorship deal from Yorkshire Tea, which pissed oh. me off. Wow. It pissed me off because you can't... We need to get some sort of niche one like that. Well, I can, surely I can get Yorkshire Tea. Come on. Well, I was <laughs> saying, why don't... Because um, we were having a look through the magazines for some of the German uh, magazines, stand-up paddleboard and wing and all that stuff, and they're all sponsored by beer companies. Why, oh, why, yeah. why is the UK not mm. sponsored by uh, the UK scene not sponsored by beer companies? Friggin' brilliant. Yeah, right. Help with the bulking. Yeah. <laughs> they used to be, I think. There's a lot of. Uh, yeah, they got into it. A lot of. Um... But yeah, sorry, go on. Carl, do, you, do, you remember, do you remember Carlsberg's strap line? Probably the best thing in the world. We could be <laughs> probably the best podcast in the world. X to Uni had that for years, didn't they? As a sticker, they did. Yeah. Go on, Ellie. Ellie sorry. In the world. What's What's your dream sponsor? And you can't say no because um, Mike listens, but he won't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, I think one of the big car brands would be sick. 
Come on, if you're going to say a big car brand, you must have a particular model in mind. I think maybe Jeep. No. Really? Unpopular opinion. Really unpopular opinion. Are you going to be doors off, windscreen folded down, back off, woo-girling your way? Yeah, all of the girls I know that are into water sports, their dream car is a Jeep. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, that's making me feel very stereotypical now. <laughs> you can of, go. You can, to think you can of have it different. if you want. Yeah, to. but you're the one that's likely to actually get it on sponsorship, Ellie. So you'll be the first to actually go and do it. So get on. Um, what about Room 101? The feature where you can uh, make yeah. something from foiling disappear. And it can be anything. What do you think is kooky, shite, or not needed... <laughs> It can Freddie, be. she's just going to put her French competitors in yeah. there. <laughs> the whole of the French Olympic team. I think, right. She's got one. Um, say I it, think. Say it, say it, say it. Okay. Like. Um, we can always cull it. We can always remove it. But okay. fuck it. I want to hear it now. Like when brands bring out so many different front wings and back wings and just l- too much i think it's i i think it's gone too far interesting okay yeah. that's good i think that's that good is, I, I think you played that very well i think like i i feel like i know quite a lot about foils compared to the average person all right smart pants it's still it's still quite <laughs> overwhelming if i was going to buy some stuff or i'm going to like yeah, I want to buy a setup. Having to pick from so many different brands and so many different front wings, back wings, ratios, like all these different things. I almost, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's too, too much, too much choice. So you're gonna, you're gonna simplify things. Just want to narrow it down a bit. Yeah. Do you think though? So on, there's one side of me that totally agrees with you. There's another side of me that says, well, there's so many disciplines now and riding styles and whatever. Do you think that that's because we are so inside the industry that we don't make the time to read the marketing that the brands put out with it? Or is it just that the marketing that the brands put out with it is shit and it it needs to be simpler? But there are, because I I was thinking about this, I was actually doing some reviews for some gear the other day and then I looked on the website of said brand and looked at the catalogue and was like, oh, this is actually quite good. <laughs> and, it, and it did exactly that. It like laid out, if you're Maybe. a complete beginner, just go and buy this. And it had a yeah. big table. And I was like, I've never seen this before, but this is actually quite informative. <laughs> it's almost like they pay someone to write it to be useful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do you think, yeah, do you think we right. just don't see a lot of that because maybe. we're so in the industry? Whereas like, when I used to work in the shops mm-hmm. and you'd get customers come in and that's like that's a classic thing that gets said by all the distributors in the UK. They tell their retailers, you have to be ready for customers that know more about this product yeah, than you do. Yeah, than you do, yeah. Because if they're spending two grand, like, you know, you're not used to spending your money on the stuff anymore. Mm. And you're you're so used to recycling gear. I don't know. So, yeah, I, I, I see Maybe. it from both sides. I think it's a totally valid thing. It can go in room 101. I just, but I do see. It's just too yeah. much. Like, and when you get, like, more kit and better and you end up having every size of whatever front wing. It's like, I don't know. I like 
back in the old days when I had one tube kite and one twin tip and I would go out in it in every condition. Like the lines are blurred, not, I think, too much between yeah, it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think everything's merging too too much. But I don't know, I just maybe I just haven't got the perfect setup now that well, I don't think you can get a perfect setup for everything, right? No, because no, there's no. so many different disciplines and like the height of wave. Like if I go on a, if I'm at a wave spot and the waves are small, I need to use a different foil to if the waves are big. That's the trouble. I think that the sport does to some extent require variety, mm. whether it requires as many as some provide is a different question. All right. I, I like I'm it. It's good. It's a good point. I do like it. What was our other feature? Do we do another feature of some description? <laughs> oh yeah, there was another feature, wasn't there? <laughs> What do we do? Um, there's room 101. Yeah, let's just pause. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really work in this instance because the other one... Oh, you, you are sponsored by North for your free riding stuff, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. So if you can't use any North gear, what other stuff would you kite surf on, kite foil on, not racing, obviously, and what would you use for winging if it wasn't North? And it doesn't have to be gear that you've used if you haven't used that much. It's even just like, what brands do you look at and think, they're pretty cool. I'm, a, I'm about that image. Yes. It'll go well with my Jeep. <laughs> Stick out the back of my Jeep. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a tricky one because, yeah, I don't really, I, I don't, don't say use it. that much. Don't other fucking kit. say it. Don't, <laughs> don't say that. Take that back. But I have used... <laughs> I have used, a, I'd like to try, I'd like to try um, other kit. I have, I have used a little bit of other stuff, but also what do I, it's tricky because it's always. Go on like, imagery then. Go on Im- imagery of, or like the, the not feeling of the brand, but brand image. Yeah. What do you like? Uh, um, Are you stripy? Are you red? Are you blue? Uh, uh, what else? It's what else tricky because it's so, I feel like. I'm very influenced by the people around me, right? People that I know that are sponsored by brands or use brands and they say, um, I like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, we're not finishing I, until you tell us something. <laughs> um, Come on, there's not that many. I, re- I, I don't think I could use any other kites. I like North kites. I really like, I like everything about them. I like the kites, I like the colours, I like. What you ride in? Depends what I'm doing. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> I had a go, sorry. We, we, all of our foiling listeners have now gone. It's nice to have yeah. you, we'll see you another time. Um, I had a go on the Orbit Pro mm-hmm. recently and that is a phenomenal bit of kit. Yeah, it I really, really I is. like, um, I've only got Orbits and Carves now, but I like both of them i really like the kive the carve for waves but i, How's I mean kite I don't... freestyle as a portland local you gotta have a couple of handle passes haven't you no nobody freestyles in portland what? no one freestyles anymore full stop exactly oh bloody hell i thought this was snugs was supposed to open a shop and show them all what's <laughs> oh, what he <laughs> fucked that right and up. he's buggered off Jesus no he Christ. to be fair i did some co- uh, some teaching with him and he did teach me some uh cool tricks but i have what's your best freestyle um, move I'm not very good at freestyle. So what's your best move? Unhooked, unhooked back roll. <laughs> Sick. Cool. Very good. Uh, no, I don't know. I can't remember. I was, he was teaching me some cool, like, front front to blind and stuff. I'm not really, I don't know. I haven't put much time into it. I'll do some 
in the autumn, I'm going to get back back to it. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, foils. Um, wait, what would I ride if I... Yeah, so that's twin tip and stuff. Winging stuff. Ooh, I don't know. Fucking give us something, Ali. Jesus. Something. Okay, three... The three wave wave foils that I have used that I really liked was this Takuma one. Don't know what it was. This new, the new, the new Kajira. Yeah, that was really nice. Um, the F one Phantom, one of the Phantoms, I really liked, and. I think the AS, ASF ones look cool. AF, AFS silks. Yeah, well, the, the, silk. the, the silk and the Kajira too is very similar foil designed by the same person, I believe. Oh, really? Or at least okay. the Kajira. The first Kajira was designed by the same person that designed the silk. And whether mm-hmm. or not he did the second Kajira or whether he'd left by that point and they adapted the first one, I'm not sure. But yeah, very similar foils. It's got a very mm. good track record. It has indeed. Cool. Yeah. Very good. That's and of course, I'm foil confused. boards. You'd be you, you'd be choosing Connors, wouldn't you? Little shout um, out there. You want to you want to use that yeah, opportunity? Yeah, Blue Fox. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'd get a custom Blue Fox board for sure. <laughs> Have you got any cool like decals on um, on your boards? You <laughs> Do you want like... some? Because we got some. We got some <laughs> great. We got some great stickers <laughs> coming. Yeah, yeah, have you got? Are you got any? Oh my god, are you allowed to put stickers on your board for the Olympics, or is that like negative uh, weight? But weight's good. I don't think you're allowed to put any sponsorship on your board. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's honestly, it's anti-sponsorship. I've got some really small, like die-cut, cut-out stickers of our logo coming, and if you put that on a board and it gets on TV on the Olympics, that'd be the best thing ever. <laughs> No You'll one's going to know. Email. I there you will. Go. That'll be a good trade. <laughs> you make every effort to get that sticker right. on TV, and I'll give you his email. Send me a sticker. I'll try my best. <laughs> cool. Well, me and Liam need to head off to the pub. Uh, I think is the plan for nice. the evening. Thank you very much for your time this evening as well, this afternoon. I know yeah, it took us a pleasure. Took Thank us you. a little while to get in the books because you're so busy at the minute. Um, but yeah, we wish, wish you the best of luck this year. Um, if nice. we make it out to France, I don't know if I could be asked actually, but otherwise I'll be watching. I'll be watching. <laughs> I shall be very intrigued. So yeah, good luck with it. And cool. hopefully we'll see you in Portland for some mega loops. If there is anything we can legitimately do to support the campaign, let mm. us know. Thanks. There you go. Yeah, cool. Thank you for your time. All right. Fake goodbye. Fake, fake goodbye. Fake don't leave. Yeah. Fake goodbye. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Easy as that.